Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface. And Father, over the last month or so, we've kind of been hitting upon a couple of general themes. One of which is people sitting back and actually thinking, thinking things through, and not going with a general mental tide that society is trying to push you towards. Actually sitting back, analyzing things, looking at risk, looking at reward. So that's one of the things we've been discussing. Another one of the things that we had been discussing in general is humility. This concept that you are not the end-all be-all, nor you are the bottom of the soil beneath the boot. You are a person who is in the middle, who has appropriate place in relation to other people, but always beneath God. And that humility has been something that we had been discussing here. And today, and we also have been discussing fear. That has been another part that has kind of been overwhelmed or overwoven into these discussions that we've been having. So with those three thoughts in mind, I want to dive into something that I've been noticing throughout this process of the COVID and maybe just getting to a certain point in my age and just realizing this is that there is a large human nature element. I, I, I'm probably the wrong word, but element, let's just go for that for now, that pushes us not to want to admit when we're doing something wrong. Or if you take it to a group perspective, not to admit when someone on our team has done something wrong. And I think that overall, that this is a topic that needs to be discussed as we're going through a lot of different strife and tension, and that can obviously create rush decisions, which can create opportunities where you can make bad decisions. But also, making wrong decisions is just part of life. And I would like to use today's episode to discuss about when we do something wrong, whether it be a permanent thing that affects just us, our household, or so be it, how should we address that? How should we be able to move forward? Because as I look at things, it's, it's very common place in human life. And it's something that, that if we would all master it, we would be better off. I know that in my businesses, one of the most important things I learned that made things better was the skill that makes you the most money isn't writing a bad idea all the way until bankruptcy. It's realizing you had a bad idea and getting away from it as quickly as possible. So I know that I am inherently trained to this, but the vast majority of us are not. So I wanted to have this conversation about the benefits and the whys getting away from bad ideas is a good idea. Yeah, well, it's a very fundamental theme in Christianity and especially in the Advent season, we heard quite a bit the call to repentance, and repentance has a, a bit of a, a variety of connotations, I suppose, which are not all pleasant. But uh, John the Baptist says, repent, and Jesus begins the proclamation of his kingdom, saying, repent and believe uh, in the good news, the, the kingdom of God is at hand. And that call to repentance, in Greek, the word is metanoia. Metanoia is a transformation of our kind of our interior uh, orientation, our interior disposition, uh, 
our the noose uh, n o u s from which we get noia is that deepest interior center. So it's really shifting our direction. And and you're so right. There is a kind of human inertia that we want to keep doing what we've been doing. Uh, a body at rest tends to stay at rest. A body in motion tends to stay in motion. That's the principle of inertia, one of Newton's laws for physical objects. But it is modeled in our human behavior. We like to keep doing what we've been doing in order to switch directions. It requires a, a shift in our in our worldview. I mean, and and it takes a lot more effort. You can think of the difference between driving on a highway and taking a left turn into traffic. It's a, a whole different energy level. That is necessary as we navigate and a chaotic situation, in order to come back to a relatively peaceful and ordered situation, and so the the inertia, the resistance to change, is uh, often something that gets in the way of of recognizing that we have a bad idea or that we're going in a bad direction because we don't want to change at all, whether it's a, a bad idea or not, whether it's a matter of going from good to better or from bad to acceptable. We tend to be in a an orientation. Our our measurement system tends to just try to minimize pain, and so as long as it's not too painful, we'll sort of keep enduring a bad situation and keep moving forward because we don't want to take a left turn into traffic. We don't want to enter into chaos. We don't want to face the the uncertainties that go with the unknown, even though it might end up being much better for us. And and those are all. I, I suppose there are some human dispositions that might be a little bit more oriented uh, to take on. You know, there's a kind of risk taker personality or a kind of entrepreneurial uh, pioneering spirit that likes to explore the new territory. But uh, it's it's certainly not everybody and not most people. And we mostly like to keep doing what we've been doing. Now, layer on top of that, what you were talking about, admitting that we were wrong, uh, that's even harder. Uh, so then there's an element of pride that gets involved. So there's a sort of fear of change, a fear of chaos. And then there's a, a pride that limits our uh, our movement, our, our agility, because we want to uh, feel like we're, we're doing the right thing. When we do the wrong thing, I think that there's a there's a kind of cost to that, especially you, usually the when it's the wrong thing, we've caused pain or problems to someone else, and there's a there's a kind of cost involved with with the change. And not only are we changing, which is difficult, but there's a dimension of repair that's necessary when we've done the wrong thing. So, not only do I need to stop hurting you, I need to apologize that I hurt you to begin with. And so it's both changing my behavior to stop hurting you and something addition, apologizing for what I've done wrong in the past and maybe some additional things to repair a relationship. So repentance is one thing. Reparation is an additional thing. And we don't like to do either of those. And so you pile them up on top of each other and we really have a, a limitation, a, a resistance that, that comes up in us. We like simplistic things, uh, which is what I've been pushing against, we've been talking about the last couple of podcasts, is our temptation to settle into simplicity, have simple answers, black and white solutions, to not have to think through things too much, in part because we might have been wrong in our initial assessment. 
in part because it requires us to face more chaos than we realized was there. There's an order in things that are ordered have a certain simplicity to them. And so we try to force order into things. Like if you just have the good guys and the bad guys, that's much easier than realizing that everybody's a good guy and everybody's a bad guy. And there are different aspects of people in certain situations that are the right and the wrong. And then it's not even right and wrong. It's it's good and better and best. And all of these levels of gray are very difficult for our minds to, to settle in. And so we try to reduce things into simplistic solutions and uh, just tell us how to vote, Father. I hear all of those things. And, and uh, actually, we don't even want that. We're, we really want, just tell me that what I already think is true. That's really what we're saying. Just tell me that uh, I don't have to think anymore and I'll be happy. And uh, so we, we don't like to engage the chaos very much, but it's, it's always, creativity is always moving through chaos to order. Um, growth is always moving through chaos to order. There's, uh, there's no way really to avoid the chaos and eventually it will catch up with us and swallow us and we'll be forced to deal with it. So it's better to be a little bit proactive about that. And the best way to do that is to have the nimbleness, the agility of humility. Humility is really agile because we're always ready to admit that we're wrong, that we're going in the wrong direction, that we need a course correction, that we've made a wrong judgment, and that our, uh, we're, we're always in need of a little bit of uh, yeah, shifting of our position. I think of driving down a highway, you know, we're always turning the wheel a little bit, even on a straight road. And that's the, the kind of continual adjustment that uh, really makes us uh, agile at life. And uh, all of that requires some thinking and some, uh, some effort to, to put out. But anyway, I, I threw a number of things at you. So tell me where to go from here. Father, that reminds me of a book you've referenced a lot of times, Entertaining Ourselves to Death. And, you know, I read it, actually listened to it um, over the last couple of weeks here. And that notion of exactly what you said, where I don't want to think anymore, I just don't want to do anything. That is part of the thesis that he's trying to push in that book. Um, in that if we're not willing to stand up and to think and to actually address reality on reality's terms, it's not going to work. And what you just said about people only wanting to hear what reinforces what they already think is incredibly dangerous. And it's something that truly is an issue that has multiplied in the last 20 years. Because if you go back before the invention of cable news, and certainly before the invention of customized internet feeds, um, you got more neutral, more different varies of thoughts in the world. You got the actual true intention of the Constitution with a marketplace of ideas. Some of them were bad, some of them were good, and you were able to sift through them and you constantly had to do that. But now you're able to, in the world of news, just click on the station you want to hear, which will keep reinforcing what they said yesterday. Um, basically, if you want to think of it in terms of another element, 
If you want to listen to stuff about the Packers, click into their local Green Bay station. If you want to hear stuff about the Bears, click into the local Chicago station. And those two will always tell you the other one is bad and that their team is good. Um, and then we do the same thing now with the news. And the way that these programs work with all of the major social media companies, they all are doing the same thing. Um, granted, they're all doing it for the same general idea, in America at least, which is we're going to give you something you want so you can see a commercial that's customized for you, so hopefully then you will buy something. That is the American spin on it because there's always has to be sales involved. While in reality, there's more to it than just come and buy these new shoes. It's It turns something off inside of you that is incredibly important, this thinking differently, this this byproduct that comes with only hearing people on the same side of you is that it reinforces this element that I don't care what all the signs on the highway say, if they say wrong direction or not. I'm surrounded by all of these other cars going the same direction as me. Some of them are going faster. So if everyone around me is doing this, it reinforces something very primitive inside of human nature that I'm just going to keep going with it because it's safe. And it does take a lot of courage to admit that you're wrong. So as you mentioned, the the two factors in admitting you're wrong are you'd have to apologize and reevaluate everything from a perspective. And everything in this current society is designed to not be able to let you look left and right and see what the facts are is to push you in a tunnel. And I think that that is something that is incredibly scary um, in a lot of different ways. And I think that it's something that, that is causing us to be here. Now, at the end of the day, I don't think it's possible to have people disconnect from all social media. Um, I, I don't think that that's life, nor do I think it's possible to have cable news turn itself off. I mean, no one's going to do that voluntarily. These are incredibly profitable companies that are, are doing this for a reason. So it's going to have to come down to us as the individual users, subscribers, whatever the, the, the term is for that. And I'd like to spend some time here and giving a giving some more emphasis on why and also discussing the the how, because I think the benefits are kind of becoming transparent of doing that. Well, I think you just sketched out the importance of the why uh, quite well, and um, we can keep motivating that in terms of what happens in life when we don't actually face the chaos Uh, when we don't step into the unknown, when we don't uh, face the trials, when we don't take stock of our lives and admit that we're going in the wrong direction, uh, or at least that we need some course correction. Uh, Another word for repentance, which is a little bit more palatable, is conversion. Talk about, uh, now I guess that's uh, also become unpalatable in the world in general. Talk about conversion therapy or something, which is not what I mean. But um, conversion in the sense of it's the it's really the same it's turning it's turning in a different direction it's an adjustment of our course and as Benedictine monks we actually make a vow of continual conversion so we, we recognize that the there's there's always a need to evaluate and adjust and adjust our course uh, a general 
practiced in the Christian tradition is making a daily examine. And that practice certainly was developed by, um, by St. Ignatius of Loyola. I don't think he invented it, but he further developed it. And uh, even in the middle of the day, making an examine, and then at the end of the day, making an examine. And uh, with the spirit of, we're going to need to adjust. And so we should just build into our lives a process of adjustment. As a businessman, you know this very well. You make assessment and you have goals and measures. And so you don't sort of blindly stumble off a cliff. You uh, evaluate like, wow, things are getting worse. <laughs> Maybe there's a reason for that. And I better do something about that or I'm just not going to have any more equity and we're going to go down the drain. And uh, that's not complicated, but we have to learn how to make some kinds of measures, at least heuristic measures in our own lives to say like, wow, when I'm feeling worse and worse day by day, when I'm more and more isolated day by day, when I'm more and more desperate or despairing day by day, like maybe I need to do something about this. Um, when, when the bank account is going down or when our um, stock of, uh, of, of happiness, of hopefulness uh, is going down, then I'm, you know, I need to pay attention to the processes that I'm in. Now, sometimes we have to go through a down in order to go up. You, you have to invest and you're going to lose money when you invest. Maybe you have a lower quarter because you had to pay a bunch of money to set some things up, to bring on a new employee, to buy some new, uh, new, homes, you know, new, new properties, new, uh, anyway, we have to invest in order to grow. So things may go down, but I know that I'm in a process then that I believe in. I'm taking a risk and I know what the risk is and I'm ready to engage that. But anyway, we need, uh, those, those processes of, of examine, of adjustment, of conversion, and just knowing this is going to be a part of life. And that's where I love the, the practice of regular confession, we've only really built into Catholic culture this kind of like twice a year confession. And then when we have a pandemic and Lent and Advent, we hack out a lot of the twice a year people. But uh, a great practice in a, a classical practice is a monthly confession. Every month, take stock of where you are and just presume, that's, that's what confession does. It presumes that we're wrong, you know, that, we, that we've made bad decisions, that we're, we're not... Uh, in in an entirely good direction that we need to course correct in some way, big or little. And so we just take that as a, a base assumption. And then we don't have to maintain this kind of uh, image of perfection that we hide behind. We can just say, no, I'm a mess. My life's a mess. And I'm just trying to get a little bit better, a little bit better every time. And it's a much healthier mental space to start from. Um, so building in that Examine that regular assessment, confession, just presuming we're going to make mistakes, being ready to apologize and, and make reparation to rebuild relationships, to, to know there's going to be a kind of necessary cost and necessary pain that goes with all of that. And, uh, but then it's so much better afterward. When we face the chaos, when we arrange some things, when we bring about some order, there's a real resolution. There's something that's built out of that that's uh that's really satisfying so we we've got to be propelled toward with a hope you know that's where hope really drives us forward to a better place than we are now and going off of what you just said there part of 
the practical problems that, at least from the business perspective, and, and they do bleed into the rest of our lives, are is we get caught into this sedentary mindset during the process of creating results. So what I mean by that is that nothing is on fire right now. So therefore, we don't ever really evaluate things to see how do we go from good to great. If we get stuck in the rut of good, very rarely are people willing to look around and change it because of the fear that I could go from good to bad or get, we're already at good, why would we mess with this? And it's that kind of process and mindset that is a deterrent from people even engaging in this process of, of evaluating what's going on. And the other fear that goes along with this is that, as you said, sometimes turning things to change that will lead to good long-term decisions creates a short-term deficit. And for those who didn't want to change in the first place, will often use said short-term deficit as justification for not changing when it is very short-sighted and, and narrow. And I think that, you know, this happens in, in various situations in life. And then the, the third situation that can happen in there is when you're personally invested in whatever process you're in and wanting to admit that you're wrong, even if it's to yourself, is sometimes just the unbearable thought. So kind of from a, a macro world position and then all the way down to the micro within yourself decision. So with that being said, we've kind of got to the, the, the time for today's episode. We hope that everyone enjoyed today and we will be with you guys again next week.